introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Another week in isolation and another week quarantined in your house. Us teachers, though, we should be very, very grateful that we have a job and that we are being told to stay busy with our job, teaching kids through online formats. I know that it's frustrating for some teachers to be doing this because they haven't been using online formats to teach their students or or online technology to teach their students, and now they're being forced into doing it, which is... I think a very good thing for some of us. Anyway, be grateful for what you've got. Please, please, please understand that there are a lot of people out there that are not able to work right now. There are a lot of people out there that have been laid off or furloughed or told that, you know, you're going to keep a job or keep benefits or things like that, but uh, you're not going to get your bi-weekly paycheck or anything like that. So I'm very, very grateful. I'm actually having a pretty good time in my house. We have been making puzzles we've been doing all kinds of stuff here and you know with with two kids yes it can be a little rough because we also have to educate them as well one we've done better with than the other but it is still what it is and i'm spending a lot of time with my family and i'm very grateful for that and hopefully this does end soon because i do want to be able to go outside without the fear of contracting a virus and i think that's everybody's fear isn't it yes um i'm hopefully i'm not alone with that one this week on the podcast this was recorded before we were put in isolation this is with pam wilson pam and i taught together at morton ranch high school in kdisd we taught together for two years from 2008 to 2010 and then i left pam kind of unexpectedly she was not happy with me at the time but i left pam for straight no chaser back in 2010 and i didn't really learn to appreciate pam wilson until i became the head director at dulles high school and started realizing all the things that i knew because of what i saw pam do uh and that was really important to me and so i reached out to pam actually i don't know a year two years ago and made sure that she knew how much I appreciated her and how much I didn't realize I appreciated her at the time as well. And kind of threw out the idea, hey, you know, I know you're probably not an avid podcast listener, but if you wouldn't mind coming on to my podcast, that'd be wonderful. And we found the time, obviously, because we were out of school and she, you know, she's been retired for a little bit now, but I was able to sit down and have some coffee with her. She had her chai tea latte as usual. And we had a nice little chat. We did chat before and we did chat after, but the only thing you're going to hear is what I hit record for. So uh, listen to Pam's story. It is very unique. It is a long story, or it is a long background, if you will, not a long story necessarily, but it is a, a an extensive history that she's been in education and comes from a very unique spot because she hasn't always been in Texas I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody will enjoy WrestleMania weekend. It's already been taped. I don't know the results. You know, if you want to look them up, you can. Please enjoy this week's Groner Joke of the Week. Uh, 
Where does the electric cord go to shop? An outlet mall. I started teaching in Auburn, not Auburn, Opelika, Alabama, back in the 60s at when um, forced that? integration was happening. It was right next to Auburn okay. University. Okay. It's a twin city of okay. Auburn, Alabama. And um, it was right at the beginning of forced integration of the schools. Um, and so I was involved with the um, school on the wrong side of the tracks being either closed down or uh, half, of the, half of the kids would go to the other side of the track school. And uh, Opelika was a big challenge because um, of the demographics of that situation. Then I went to Phoenix City, Alabama, which was entirely worse. And after that experience, no, it was at West Point, Georgia. At, the, at that time, my husband was in and out of um, the Navy, and we went to Dam Neck. For, it, was, it was a mess. But anyway, at West Point, Georgia, it, was, it got really chaotic when the National Guard had to move in onto the football field. So I went home and took a pair of manicure scissors and cut up all my teaching certificates for Georgia and Alabama and um, said I'd never enter the classroom again. Long story short, we eventually moved to Charleston, South Carolina, where I kind of dabbled in substitute teaching, but really uh, was on the historic Charleston tour okay. business, is what I did. And then we moved to Texas, to the Rio Grande Valley. And I taught for 20 years in Los Fresnos High School, at Los Fresnos High School. Um, initially, the principal, Dr. Reese, um, hired me as a journalism teacher and he walked me into the classroom, which I was going to have, and I go, holy cow, this is a theater classroom. And I said, uh, could we renegotiate that, that assignment? And we did, and I became the speech theater and for about six or seven years an English teacher. And then I grew the program to the point that um, it became very successful. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the Rio Grande yeah. Valley and teaching down there. Moved here to Houston to open a school called George Bush High School. Stayed there for one year and when Katie called me, and the rest is history. Yeah. I taught for a little while at Katie High School. With Rachel. Right. And uh, learned the Katie way. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, Bob Bryant hired me along with Joe Camerata, become the uh, fine arts chairman right. and theater director, pack manager at Morton, Morton Ranch. Ranch High School. And stayed there for what, 15 years? Yes, Something like that. 15, really, 14 or 15. Really yeah, I guess so. Yes, 14 yeah. or 15 years, yeah. yes, yes. Wow. And I thought I would miss it yeah. when I left after <laughs> teaching for 38 years, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't. It well, was just amazing. Involved. You're Very still, involved. Yeah, not with Morton Ranch, but with, with yes. education. Yes. yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, so that leads me to, and we were talking off mic before this, uh, your, 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 not your, Texas, uh, doing curriculum, 
uh, working some in Lubbock, uh, mentoring students through the University of Houston, et cetera, et cetera. So right. you're still keeping yes. very active in education. Yes. And, yes. At, and at 45 years old, I don't know how you do it. But <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, you and, so just some history, because I don't know if everybody knows. You and I taught together at Morton Ranch yes. for two years. Yes. And that was the fourth or fourth year at Morton Ranch was because you were there alone for a little bit, right? Yes. And then, uh, and then I had a, I had another person before you for, yeah, two, for two years. years. So it was, it it's was like after, it was the fifth year, okay, okay. fifth year of, and then we of, for two of years. Mornings. And then I got a really good job. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and told you the very last day that I yes. could possibly tell you that I'm That's leaving. right. And you were not happy with me, no. but you understood. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and, and then, Left and this is this is now you you said even before this let's turn the podcast back on me yes so for a second I'm going to turn it on me but uh, what I didn't realize because when I left you uh, I was I, I didn't know if education was really what I wanted to do and here I am with a master's now and yeah. on to the second but at at the time I left thinking I'm going to be a professional I'm going to do this I'm going to light I'm going to be a lighting designer tour the world. And I did, and I was great. Toured the country, not the world so much, but um, but then when I got my job at Dulles, and I was working alone because I didn't have a second yet, the program wasn't big enough yet. I realized how much Pam Wilson taught oh. me, and 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 you don't know that, but uh, <laughs> there was so much that I. And I don't even remember necessarily even physically leaning over your shoulder to see what you were doing, but there was so much by osmosis that I guess I was getting from you and, and what you just did on a daily basis running a program. So much so, that it, and it brings me to a point that I do want to ask you about. Okay. Uh, I just got into a conversation with somebody about how in the university setting, one of the issues with teaching education to theater people is that, and maybe they do this in the summer MA program, I don't know. Uh, as a matter of fact, I would assume they do. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of theater teachers that go off into teach theater their first, second year, and don't realize the simple thing of buying rights, for instance, right? Right. They don't, they don't understand. It, it's kind of like being a, an, a, becoming an adult not knowing how to write a check. Right. Okay? Simple things that you don't even think about. Oh, I, sh- I need to teach that person that stuff. Yes. Yes. So that's the kind of thing I learned from you. It was the simple things. It was also like how to run a, a booster meeting, you know, uh-huh. uh, which I know is a sore <laughs> subject with us during our yeah, time there. Right. But, but even those types of yes. things, uh, how, to, how to run a contest, how mm-hmm. to run a contest. Oh, I, yes. I, I, I we mean, did I, that a lot. Yeah. And, and now every year at Dulles, I've run a contest mm-hmm. and, and I wouldn't have been able to do it. Now it's now it's. Like, it's just super easy. Yes. You, know, you have your checklist. Uh, yes. And you, and you go through it, and you're done, and it's, everything's good. But but all that, those simple things I learned just kind of watching you do well, it. Well, thank you. And it, it was invaluable. Uh, you don't learn how to do that stuff in college, in, in university. Uh, Evidently so not. Of, yeah. Um, I, think, I think with the um, teacher candidates that I have been um, working with, um, and their mentor teachers yeah. uh, on their campuses, uh, they are learning a lot right. from the mentor teacher. I think the mentor teacher is really the most important um, part of the puzzle between the supervisor, the assistant supervisor, which is what I am, 
and then of course the mentor teacher is invaluable right. and um, a lot of those simple things are learned by just watching right. and I would not have been able to start the program in Morton Ranch. It was my third program starter, you might say, from Los Fresnos to Bush to um, Morton Ranch if I hadn't had the experience that I had. Los Fresnos was a real learning curve because I didn't know how to do the simple things in Los Fresnos. And there were lots of stumbles probably, but a lot of success and wonderful students and wonderful support from the superintendent on down. So um, that helped a whole lot. And it's it's always a learning curve. I mean, what Samuel French has done with, what is the name, it starts with a C, I can't, Cortland or whatever the name of it is, um, that they have merged with is a totally different ball game than it used to be now. And um, everybody is loving them and enjoying the experience. So it's it's all good. It really is. Yeah. So, but how do you um, how do you get to the teachers that are doing like I did alternative certification, right? Those teachers. So Mm, let me back up. There's a there's an issue right now in theater teaching or in teaching theater that that people are leaving the profession. Oh, Um, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. It's really it's it's really beginning to bug me that after two or three years, and I'm I can only speak to theater teachers, but I'm seeing it really kind of across the board. There is a lot of disillusionment and illusionment. Uh, there's a lot of um, um, depression yeah. almost, and they can't seem to connect to colleagues that, or they don't have a colleague in their department, and they're very alone, and um, they don't have the support. Um, money is an issue. Uh, trying to find vendors and and making the accounting uh, departments understand what to do and they just quit yeah. um, and get out of the field. It's happening here in Katy yeah. with a couple of teachers and that have been in it for maybe 10 years yeah. and they're deciding no more, can't, I can't handle this anymore. Or they find a different um, avenue that they want to pursue which is okay, but hopefully they'll come back right. to education eventually yeah. like you did. But it's, it's, very, it's, it's very bothersome. And I'm dealing with it to a certain degree in Lubbock right. with the theater consulting that I've been doing for a year there. And the, the teachers are really sponges and they want to be better. Yeah. And um, I think I'm, I'm enjoying them immensely. And I hope they're enjoying me, but it's just a matter of, of showing the way. Right. You know, I thought writing curriculum was daunting. I did it for years with Texas Educational Theater yeah. Association and got the curriculum approved by Texas Education Agency and the school board um, and everything else. And it was a 1980s decade of, of work on curriculum with several other theater teachers. And I don't know how I got 
roped into it, but I did. And that has been the basis and the foundation for writing the curriculum um, and beyond with Lubbock. And it's really, it's, it's really been very, very, very rewarding. Yeah. So your, your sponge analogy led me to think about the idea that a sponge has to get water, mm-hmm. you know, in order to, to work. So that's right. Uh, and and that's that's part of the issue is this burnout is, um, you know, my my ultimate goal is to go back into education and even and not even really leave, you know, uh, in theory is to stay in the schools and to mm-hmm. stay. I have found over the past few months, speaking of Bush High School, um, they were without a technical director, that's right. so I was able to go in. Uh, as many days as I could, not as many as they would have liked, but as many days as I could, I, w- I would go there and teach those kids, and they were, they are sponges. Yes. And I think what makes that department so successful is that they, they know they have more to learn, mm-hmm. even though they've already done so much. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's it's made me realize I like this workshop style. I like going yeah. in. As a, and I've said this on here before, I like going in as a grandparent, knowing that I can go in for an hour, hour and a half, and then I'm going to leave the kids to figure yes. it out on their own. Um, and that's kind of also what, what drew me to the idea of going back to school mm-hmm. and then still consulting and workshopping. And right. I think that there's something to be said with that style of teaching, though, um, because a lot of theater teachers, it's that eight-hour day then they get to do what they want by doing rehearsals but because of as you said the financial element the vendors the not being able to create the show that they want because they're not able to get their hands on money or right the red becomes, tape yeah the red tape the bureaucracy um, it yeah. becomes such a drag it's a nightmare yeah. and it takes away from the joy of yeah. rehearsing and and the experimenting that you get to do in the rehearsal process it takes away from it and that's the biggest issue I think that education especially in the theater education world we have to deal with and we need to teachers need to understand that there are mentors out there like yourself like me to a certain extent or are other people that all you have to do is reach out yeah. and they they will help and guide you and feed you and yeah, so, um, so what is what do you think a solution is uh, <laughs> you're one of the people that also taught me that don't come to me with a problem unless you also have an, an that's idea that's right for a solution. and that's that's one of the things that I I have told a couple of teachers who have kind of talked to me uh, on a one-to-one basis, yeah. um, you you've got to figure out a solution. Yeah. I cannot figure out the solution yeah. for you. I can give you ideas, yeah. but um, you have to greet the the bull by the horns yeah. and and turn it around in a compromising way that will help your program, help you, yeah. and help your students. Yeah. Is which it, is more important. And is it also an education of administrators and bookkeepers yes. and budget people? And yes, especially educators or administrators, I should say, who are uh, not theater yeah. trained. They don't understand what theater 
or they don't, I wouldn't say they don't understand, they just don't comprehend right. the enormity of theater. Yeah. You know, and as, as I've always told my kids, um, theater encompasses all of the fine arts. It's right. not just acting right. or tech, technical work. It's music, it's dance, it's movement, it's art, yeah, art. it's everything. And um, when they realize that, that helps a little, but they, they're still trying, a lot of fine arts directors I'm finding are trying to buttonhole right. uh, theater into being just acting right. and playing theater games. And yes, you get to do a show, but uh, the resources are up to you. Yeah. Do you get in front of administrators? Have you have you been able to do that? What do you mean in front like, of? Like a PD session for administrators saying, Did you I? Take a yes. <laughs> yes. No, thanks. Yes, I have. To a certain extent, yes, yeah. I have. Do you think that's a that's something that it helps? Be, yeah. It helps a lot. Yeah. It really does. And I've talked to fine arts directors on a one-to-one -one basis right. as well. Um, the first time I went to Lubbock, this is not the first year I've been in Lubbock. I went, what, two years ago, three years ago this spring now, um, and spent like a full week visiting all of their campuses for um, facilities, updates, and, and how they are teaching. And I, I'm very proud that at least one thing was accomplished in the first year, and that was, or after the first year, was they were splitting high school teachers with a middle school. Uh, and so uh, that second person in the high school was feeling disoriented right. and not a part of the high school or the middle school. Right. And they have taken the bull by the horns, and thank goodness to Mr. Babcock, who's the fine arts director, said this is the way it's going to be and um, with the exception of one teacher um, they are not traveling right. from one campus to another anymore and it's really extremely helpful to the uh, collegiality that you want right. on a campus and um, I think it's retained right. teachers I think there was a couple of times that I talked to teachers who were doing the traveling that they were ready to quit. Yeah, yeah. The one of the you know the the unique elements of Dallas High School is that the middle school is a hundred feet away. Yes. And so I've been able, and, and now in seven years, I've been able to see a student from six to, to senior year, sixth grade to twelfth grade. Um, that's cool. Uh, and so that that's been fun. Yeah. But it's also really easy because yes. I just walk, you know, walk a few feet. And I'm in the middle school. Yeah. The traveling element, which we, we've had, and we're going to have one next year, too, where I say we, they will have one. I, mm -hmm. It will not be me anymore, but um, the traveling element is probably very taxing. Yeah, I didn't think about the, the fact that they don't feel necessarily a part of one or the other. Yeah, just, no, it's, it's, it's very rough on them. It yeah. really is. Yeah. And I think for anyone who has to split right. schedules like that, it's very hard. Right. Um, and you know, just as a fine arts director, I remember for a while I had an orchestra teacher who was traveling, right. and like you, a hundred feet away, yeah. basically. But at the same time, I needed to talk to him, and I couldn't right. because he was at the other campus. Right. And then you know, it wasn't necessary that I 
broach the subject when he finally gets on campus. And so it was just really, it, it, it was difficult as a quasi-administrator of the fine arts department to make it work with with yeah. a part-time teacher. Yeah. Um, what is what is something from you were talking about your hard times or the, the, the difficulty of the late 60s and in the, into the 70s, the civil rights and stuff. How did that prepare you for 20, 30 years? Well, I look back on it and think it probably made me very obstinate, you might say. Like, I, I stum literally stumbled into beginning teaching again. Yeah. We walked into Los Fresnos CISD to pick up some information about the schools because my daughter was in junior high. Yeah. And um, we wanted some information about the schools. We'd heard so many good things about the district. And my husband said, well, well honey, why don't you get a teaching application at the same time? In two hours, long story short, I had a job. And I was, I was very um, angry <laughs> angry at my husband for putting me in that situation because I was a housewife right. and a tour guide and, you know, right. just having a good time and um, didn't really want to move to Texas, but we did. And um, it made me realize that I can ask for things. I may not get what I want, but I get close to it. Right. And that's why when I walked into that theater classroom and it had a courtyard stage and everything, I thought, oh my gosh, this, this yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. And it, it fortified me enough to look at that principal who was a stranger to me. Right. Um, can't we renegotiate this contract? You know, all things are possible. Right. And that's what I think everyone, teacher or not, needs to realize that that you've got the power within you. Yeah. Whether it's girl power or man power, you've got the power. <laughs> or they power. They power, yeah. Right. Uh, do you still keep in touch with some of those um, kids from those days? From, from uh, the Los Fresnos? From Los Fresnos, yes, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm on their family page on <laughs> Facebook, and yes, yeah. yes. In fact, in fact, a dear friend just died recently, which kind of upset me, but right. that's, you know, the way of the world. From those days? From those days, uh, yes. Was it his former student or, or no, a teacher, it was a, colleague? No, it was a former parent. Oh, former parent. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was, it was uh, yeah, it was kind of heartbreaking. He was, yeah. he was young. Yeah. Younger than I am. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, well, that's, yeah, those are, it's, it's, like, you know, I've only been in the profession for 10 years, but over a 13-year span, but seeing some people that you and I both know very well uh, from our days teaching together that are married, kids, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It's just, it's so mind-boggling. Yeah. Some of them have been now teaching for multiple years. And, right. Um, it's crazy to think about that. Yeah. So, uh, but fun at the same yeah. time. Real easy to keep up with that stuff nowadays. That's right. That's uh, right. Did you, you acted before you were teaching? Yes. I did. I acted in college um, in Illinois mm -hmm. and acted some, some in Charleston um, with their little theater that's connected to the Dock Street. But other than that, um, 
Not much. I will say in Los Fresnos, I had a lot of, I, not a lot, I had acting experience. And one of the, one of the neatest times of acting, I played Amanda in The Glass Menagerie. And I was, I was uh, directed by one of my students, my oh. former students who came home from college yeah. and, and did it. And it was, it was just really experience, a, a very good experience. Yeah. Have you ever been in one of your school's shows? No, I don't. <laughs> I want to say no. I want to, uh, I want to say no. As no, a, I not haven't. Even as, not, not necessarily as like a little bit part, like a little yeah, fun no, part. Yeah, no, like other than other than that, they uh, directing. Yeah, other than that. Other than the directing in uh, Los Fresnos, I don't think I've ever acted in one of my school shows. Okay. I got people roped into doing it. Sure. <laughs> you know, but um, I don't think I ever did. Okay, I'm just curious. You know, this, I did a year. lot of. You know, when I when um, the last was it the last the person after you came on board, I. Um, allowed him to become the acting director and I was the tech director so I did a lot of behind the scenes on the stage. I remember moving the big walls in Beauty and the Beast for example okay. and stuff like that but never seeing the show. So do you do you classify yourself how do you kind of classify yourself as a, as a theater educator? Do you, are you kind of an all-around like you just kind of do it all because even when I was there uh, which I was not an acting director by any means but you still did a lot of tech I mean you did yes. costumes for sure yes I didn't want to touch that yeah uh, practically all the props uh -huh. um, but even you would even come in I remember one time you put a doorknob on a door yes uh, you showed Adam Ballard how to do that yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I remember that very well yeah but, uh, yeah. Uh, but like how do you classify yourself as I, I think I'm a more of a general theater director I'm I'm strong in a lot of areas of technical theater I was surprised at how much I could talk with Gary and Aaron on the lighting situation they have at Sharpstown High School for example and um, I understood what they were saying at being out of the business and not ever really working an eye on board um, certainly rented it lots of times but now the ion is at morton ranch and yeah. they're all upgraded and everything yeah. sound was a big thing for me um how did you i mean did, you, did that come to you through being an educator or did you get educated in technical theater i no like i didn't by necessity it was by it was by necessity yeah. you know i i really didn't have a strong theater education before i came to texas right. It was my theater education happened through Texas Educational Theater Association and my my relationships with the Murrays and the Munozes and the Wheatleys and everybody else that that I've come in contact over the what forty years or so. Sure. Um, going to the University of Texas um, helped immensely. David Nancaro taught me lighting, for example. Uh, John Brokaw taught me history of theater. Um, there, they were. Oh, Lathan, Lathan Sanford taught me Fosse movement, for example. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but yeah. We called him the Bongo Man, <laughs> yeah. and in the Winship Drama Building. But 
it was a lot of um, a lot of training by osmosis, yeah. um, learning by doing. Um, yeah, you're not afraid to jump in. No, yeah. no, yeah. you cannot be afraid. You have yeah. to do it. I see a lot of passivity happening, and well, they just won't let us do that. I'm going. What do you mean they won't? They won't yeah. let you do it. Yeah. You know, get out and do it. Yeah. I had absolutely zip lighting instruments or anything in Los Fresnos. And I discovered that they used to have an auditorium when I moved there. So my husband and I, one Sunday morning, literally broke into the ag barn, which was the storage mm -hmm. facility, and we found a follow spot yeah. and we found equipment. Yeah. And my husband and I made it work. Yeah. And we even built a light board yeah. before YouTube had the directions on how yeah. to do it. <laughs> uh, well, that, that's one thing about like Brad Cummins that I admire yeah. because he, he's the same way. He, he's, yeah. You know, he's kind of MacGyver-esque when it yes. comes to there's there's no there's no can't. It's just yes. it's just a matter of how you get from point A to point B. It's exactly. Not that you can't get there. Exactly. You know, you don't need a multi-million dollar facility to right. do theater. It makes it nice though. Yes, oh, <laughs> it sure helps. But I remember my kids in Los Fresnos, I, I, I miss, the most I missed about the Rio Grande Valley are the relationships that I built, but also the wind. <laughs> and my kids used to hang on light trees that we finally built so that they wouldn't topple over. Right. And I remember putting on mounds of clothes when the wind was cold so that we could rehearse outside. So yes, you know, there is just, you just have to will it to happen, Yeah. you know? So, so that leads me to another question. What is the most challenging thing that you've ever done in education? And maybe a challenging show or situation or, I can think of something challenging from our days, but it's, not appropriate for a podcast. That's right. I, that's one thing. Sorry, Blake. That's one thing that was very challenging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and makes you want to throw in the towel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But but think of think of, think artis of artistically artistic maybe things, a production or, artistic I know, things. I know. You know, when we were together, we did Birdie, which was not a super big challenge. No. But we also did Wizard of Oz, which, that was, which is a challenging show to do. Yes, yeah. um, Little Mermaid was challenging. Yeah. Uh, See, Beauty and, and the Beast, they got bigger. So you're going along with my theme. I have a theory that the most challenging shows to do, at least in high school, maybe not Broadway or something, are the ones that people have expectations for. Yes. So Wizard of Oz, there's an expectation for yes. how things should look. Yes. Beauty and the Beast, Disney, any Disney yes, really. Yes, any Disney, um, yes. But Annie, Annie, there's an expectation to how Annie should yes. look. Grease. Right. Um, so there, you know, but then you, like we did Bonnie and Clyde this year. Nobody wow. knew anything about what this is supposed to look like. Yeah. Uh, they knew the story, the, the historical element of yeah. it. Yeah. But they didn't know, like, that Bonnie was supposed to necessarily have a beret and red hair. They kind of maybe remember that. But even in the movie, she's blonde. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. uh, but they talk about her red hair in the show. Yes. Uh, but you have shows that have expectations that's and true. Then it becomes a little more challenging. That's true. That's true. 
things like the Crucible, for example, yes. and yeah. uh, Arsenic and Old Lace. That was such a fun show. You did that. Yeah, I was with you for Arsenic. Yes. Yeah. We did. You that, can't take it with you in Arsenic and Old yes. Lace in the black those, box. Those two shows. Or no, you can't take it with you as a uh, UIL, but yeah. Was it? Yeah, I think so, right? Or no, am I wrong? no. What did we do? No, oh, I remember. Was, yes, yeah. I I remember. You can't take it with you, and you threw up your hands. You couldn't make this thing work. You were the you were the acting director. You came in. You got me, and I did the That's comedy right. sports That's thing. Right. That's right. I did the comedy sports thing. Okay, you have a minute to do this. Now you're going to do the same thing in 45 yeah. seconds, yeah, and down forward. to yeah. down to 15 seconds, yeah. and it really. It was a fun experience. Those shows were yeah. yeah. I, a couple of those kids still, yeah. still oh, remember I, that. Yeah, I still keep in touch with quite a few of those kids. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I say kids, but now they're yeah. 30. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so one of the things I always remember is one-act play, because we made it to region both years that right. I was there, which was spoiled the hell out of me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'd, I'd come from teaching with Brandon Tiarina and Rowlett, yeah. Where we didn't make it out of zone that year. He, yeah. he eventually went on to have UIL success. but yeah. And that was my first year teaching. And then uh, came and interviewed with you. Mm-hmm. Said, I'm a technical director. You said you're hired. Yes. <laughs> so I remember yes. sitting in your office. Yes. Uh, but, but then we you know, went on to have pretty good success with One Act Play. Uh-huh. And what, what you taught me from this, too, and I've tried so very hard to teach my students this, but times have changed. Transitions are everything. Yes. Um, because when we did um, last night at Ballyhoo, mm-hmm. uh, I remember uh, an adjudicator, and I don't remember which level it was. It might have been area or something that said what made this show was that the transitions continued the story. Yes. The story kept going. You yes. knew, you know, in a forty-minute show, which is supposed to be two hours, what helped it stay in that two-hour world was that right. the transitions kept the story going and it's very important you don't just get up and walk out that's you know? right um and so i i've tried so very hard yeah <laughs> i can't do it, you justice when it comes oh, to that come stuff. on but, but it's, it's uh but that's that's one of those things it's that, like painting a picture yeah. you don't you don't uh you don't stop the paintbrush right. it keeps well, going and, it, and it's kind of a loophole if you will in the one i play world that's right so many regulations um and you can't you can't tableau, but what you can no. do is tell the story without words. That's right. Um, and so that that was something I took yeah. away from you as well. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, but that show, that show was really fun. Yes. Because they spoke Hebrew. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is very that's true. Where I got to you know I barely did any directing, if you will, for that specific show. But I remember that was when I was called in. They're like, you know, bring in the Jewish guy. Uh, <laughs> yes. I taught Dalton how to say some Hebrew. That's and, right. Uh, but anyway, That's that right. Was, that, I, was, that ending of that show reminded me very much of Fiddler on the Roof um, in that scene uh, celebrating the, the Sabbath. And, um, yes, it, yeah. it's, they, they are both very, very close to my yeah. heart. They what really is, are. What is, what is your... I don't want to say favorite show. I think that's a weird way to say it. Oh. What is a show that, that you could just do over and over and never tire of? Something I could do over and over and never tire of. I hate questions trouble. like that. <laughs> well, then, what's a show you just can't stand then? Bye-bye, <laughs> <laughs> no. Birdie. There you no. go. <laughs> 
Um, what show could I really, Lord Almighty? I could do ragtime over. Oh, never did that show. Yeah. I really enjoyed. We were just talking about it last night at Ballyhoo. I loved the boys next door. Sure. Absolutely loved that show. Yeah. And it has a. Um, Yes, you can go very stereotypical mm -hmm. in it, but we brought in a friend of mine who teaches um, special education and adaptive PE, actually, and she really helped us understand the different levels mm -hmm. of um, uh, deficiencies that handicaps that these kids had in this particular yeah. show and the reasoning behind it and we we learned so very much from that experience yeah. um i i enjoyed you can't take it with you and both of those were done in our black box yeah. i'm not a real fan of the big stage. I like yeah. intimacy and maybe that's coming back from my college Same days. With me. I, I agree with you. Yeah. You know, my college days were the the little black rooms in the attics of old buildings right. were our coffee shops. Yeah. And um, where you heard the the music being experimented with or the poetry or whatever and it it was it harkens back to that and we I've really enjoyed yeah. the black box. I think my, this is the second day in a row I've mentioned him, but my reason for loving the black box is the way Bob Singleton yes. used the black box. So, and the intimacy thing, obviously, but yes. but the way that he was able to adapt a black box into whatever you wanted. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, it could be, a, if you love proscenium, you could make a black box of proscenium. Yes. But you could also make it a thrust or an arena or whatever. Oh, yeah. anything you want. Yeah. yeah. Anything. Yeah. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, what is what is one piece of advice you've received that you've held on to all through however long you've you've had it? Perseverance. I, I, I learned that early on in the theater world of teaching. Um, you must persevere and it was through the curriculum writing mm -hmm. of, in the 80s that we did with this glorious fine arts director from TEA called Kim Wheatley, mm -hmm. who led us down the path. And I learned that there is no obstacle unless you make it an obstacle, okay? Because we presented before the school, the state school board, we presented to TEA, we, you know, we were in it to win it. Mm -hmm. We wanted theater curriculum to be a legitimate academic um, curriculum right. in in the schools from the elementary all the way through the high school and when I was president of TETA we did a mission you might say of making it um, making it our goal to increase the knowledge for the higher ed people in this state to realize that these kids have come maybe from the elementary all the way up through high school with some kind of theater knowledge right. so that the professor doesn't say, forget everything you've learned. You can't right. because these kids are knowledge-based in, in theater, whether it's acting or whether it's technician work or whatever. 
um, it's, it's extremely important to persevere in your dream and your goal. That's what I think I've learned the most, perseverance. Minor wisdom.